Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk a little NBA is Dan Bespris, assistant GM at Sports Ethos, Fantasy NBA Today host. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. We got to start with the Golden State Warriors and the kerfuffle that happened last night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Draymond Green had Rudy Gobert in a headlock. Klay Thompson and Jaden Daniels were in a big scuffle. Steph Curry wasn't playing. So lots of reasons to be pessimistic about the Warriors, especially considering that Draymond Green may have to serve a suspension because of said headlock. How should we bet on the Warriors going forward with this news? So my historical play with the Warriors was pretty much to fade them anytime Draymond Green was out. Um, people put a lot of stock in Steph, and this year they they definitely should because he's been the team's leading scorer for every single ball game all season long. He's getting no help at all. So maybe this season's a little bit different. But in seasons past, other guys had typically been able to step up when Steph went out, when Clay was out, when uh, Wiggins, who's I, I don't know what's going on with him. He's another story this year. But when Draymond has been out, historically, the Warriors have been much worse than the move in the number would have indicated because he has always kind of been that glue guy, the orchestrator on defense, the ball mover on offense, the short roll guy on offense. When he's been out, they've been really bad, which is interesting because typically when a team loses a key player, I like to back that team for a game or two because I think the line often over-adjusts for a key guy being out. But for Draymond... It's one of those things where the line doesn't see his impact because he's not a big scorer, so it moves a half point, whatever it is, and usually his impact is larger than that. But we'll see because if Steph and Draymond are both out, the line might be colossal. They may be catching, you know, 9, 10 points in some spots. So you kind of have to play it case by case as with all things, but typically fade the Warriors when Draymond is out and back most teams when they lose a key guy. They just happen to be kind of the flip-flop of that. Dad, what about the the in-season tournament? I can't even say it without laughing because we know that there are a handful of players that don't care about it. They don't even understand it. I find myself forget. Oh, yeah, it's an in-season tournament day. I forgot about that. But I'm kind of turning around. I'm not saying it's great or anything, but as a better, I feel like there are certain angles to play, and we are quickly seeing the teams that might care about it a little bit more or they care about the other games a little bit more. Not not saying they don't care about the in-season tournament games, but maybe, you know what, take a seat. We'll be fine because we got a back-to-back, and we got to go on the road, and we've got a rival, and this is more important for a potential tiebreaker down the road. Um so I find that kind of interesting that maybe there are betting opportunities. Where are you on the, this whole thing? Has it added anything to you as a fan, someone that covers the sport? Yeah, You mean you don't set your clock to Tuesday, Friday to make sure you're like extra keyed in on those two very obvious someone days? Says it. <laughs> someone says it. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's that in-season That's tournament. Tuesday. Oh, oh, Friday, the one day when probably you get the least amount of viewers. So yeah, really going to get into well, they it? Just, yeah. They want, they want everybody to see the very colorful uh, courts that are out there, which honestly I'm actually yes. kind of okay with. It has this almost soccer feel to it. Like, and this has had nothing to do with betting, and I'm going to ruin your show for the next 30 seconds, but now you brought me on, so now you get to pay for it. <laughs> uh, so I, I took my kid to get baseball cleats at a sporting goods store, and there was this wall of cleats, and like the left half was red and green and yellow and fancy and cool, and my kid was like, I want all of those. And then the guy working there was like, those are the soccer cleats. You got to go to the baseball rack. And we turned our Mm. head and the baseball rack was like all black cleats with like little white dots. And Mikey was like, where's the fun? 
so good for basketball. They're doing something fun. It's new. It's fresh. I think the teams actually kind of like playing on those courts because it feels different. It's just something to sort of liven up what can be a pretty good grind during a year. But in terms of like, do they care about the in-season tournament games? It's very obvious that like a solid 90 to 95% of the NBA has no idea when it, when those games are other than someone in the front office is like, Hey, you guys can't take this game off for rest because it's going to be on national TV and we're going to get dinged for it. And so you'll probably see slightly better attendance on Tuesdays and Fridays. And so, you know, the NBA's uh, tardy and attendance report cards that come home at the end of the two and a half month semester will look a little better on those days. Uh, the one thing you might want to look at in terms of betting angles is that uh, margin, win margin matters for this little NBA cup. And I know the players want to get mm. that 500 grand for the guys on the team that don't make as much money. Uh, so they might, they, you may see some score running up in games where a really good team is playing against a really bad one. That's something I kind of want to see if it happens this first year before I really dig in on it. But uh, it's the first time that in an NBA game, scoring differential matters. And so you may see that creep in a little bit. Dan, I want to ask you about some futures because I know you have quite a few ideas here. And it sounds like six man of the year is really interesting. Tell us about that. Yeah, so just to knock a few of the other ones out of the way, the MVP race is super chalky. You've got Jokic and Luka way up at the top of the board. I think you're getting like plus 250 right now on Jokic, which is just like, you can't lay that when there's this much of a season left, even though he's right now prohibitive favorite. Um, most improved player, you've got uh, Scotty Barnes and Tyrese Maxey that are basically a coin flip right now. I, I don't know how you could take, I mean, I guess you could put a little bit on both of them and just hope no one else pops up. And then same story for rookie of the year, where Wemby's way out ahead of the pack. I mean, you could argue that Chet has been more efficient, but I don't think that's what voters are going to be looking for anyway. Which brought me to sort of defensive player of the year because uh, Rudy Gobert has been really good so far, headlocks and no headlocks. Um, you might <laughs> be able to squeeze something out with like a, an Anthony Davis who's leading the league in blocks, things like that. So there's a little bit there. But yes, sixth man of the year is really interesting to me because there isn't this obvious favorite and there isn't, or at least coming into the year, there wasn't that guy that badly wanted to be the sixth man scorer. For so long, we had Jamal Crawford and we had Lou Williams and these guys that just sort of wanted that that mantle every season. And we don't have that right now. Uh, but one thing that jumped out to me was Austin Reeves, who started in the starting lineup. The Lakers now bumped him to the bench and he's putting up huge numbers running a second unit and closing. So the minutes have been the same for him, but the numbers have been much better. A few other names to look at. Uh, Chris Paul coming off the bench. That's a big name, even if his numbers maybe not quite as gaudy as what Reeves is doing so far. Karis Levert in Cleveland. Malik Monk in Sacramento. And right now, because so many of these guys are such deep long shots in sixth man, you can get in on a bunch of them and set yourself up where you kind of have a cluster of players. And that's almost everybody that's doing anything off the bench right now outside of Bogdan Bogdanovich, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Bobby Portis, who I think are just sort of names that people don't really think of. So again, unless someone really comes steamrolling out of nowhere, you've got an interesting spot to, to grab a few names, get a little, uh, almost like a bag full of options at all really good prices. I think that's where the money's to be made on futures right now. 
Good stuff there. Let's talk about today's card. We've got the Timberwolves and the Suns, Minnesota, five and a half point dogs. We've got a total of 224 and a half. What are you thinking about this one? Yeah, thanks for putting the ball on the tee on, uh, for me there. This is the one that, this is the one that I wanted to talk about uh, because in general, and this is sort of a blend of weird angles, in general, I like to fade teams getting superstars back. And that's what Phoenix is looking at right mm. now, where they're going to have all three of their main guys for the first time all year and for the first time ever. So forget that they haven't played together this year. They've never played together. Bradley Beal is still working his way back from his back injury. Devin Booker is working his way back from a calf injury. Kevin Durant has actually been a pillar of health so far. And I get it. They have so much offensive firepower in those three guys, but they have almost no defense. These guys have no idea how to work together. And you're just going to see this guys deferring when they'd normally attack kind of thing. Who's the point guard between Booker and Beal or other the field? Um, and so you'll just see a game where they, they look good enough, but they're not going to be able to bury teams. And so now because Minnesota's on a back-to-back, you're getting them catching a few extra points. I'm not thrilled about the fact that they had to travel from Golden State to Phoenix and you're losing an hour because of daylight saving there. So that will put them at a, a bit of a rest disadvantage. But Minnesota defensively has been very, very good this year. Provided Jaden McDaniels is not suspended for this ballgame, they do have someone they can use on a rangy attacking wing on the other side. Uh, Anthony Edwards will take one of the main guards on that Phoenix side. I just, I like what Minnesota can do defensively. I think that's going to keep them in a ball game. And I think the disjointedness you'll see from time to time on Phoenix allows Minnesota to hang in there as well. So I like the team getting the points there. I still don't think the the number is caught up with how good the Wolves actually are this year. So uh, I'm looking at Minnesota tonight. Uh, Dan, Milwaukee is a road favorite at Toronto. Now, these numbers have come down on Bucks games because they are not covering. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would have been shocked if you would have said, okay, 10 games into the year, you know how many covers the Bucks are going to have? They're going to have one. That's where we are right Yeesh. now. One, eight, and one against the spread. So any reason to be concerned with the Bucks, or is it just, look, the, the market's too far too far out on this, on them. November games, not covering the spread. Who cares? Yeah, it's a little bit of that. Um, I, I'm not concerned about the Bucks. I am a little bit worried about the their depth issue now with a, a sort of other bodies going down. Jay Crowder being hurt actually does hurt them more than you would have thought it would have when the season started. But this is, they're, they're like a glistening, glowing, shimmering example of what I was just talking about with Phoenix, where it tends to take star level players a little bit of time to figure out how to work together and so jamming Giannis and Dame into the same spot was on paper a really good idea and I think by the end of this year they'll look pretty good but right now they're trying to figure out how to play off each other they've changed their defensive schemes year over year Brooke Lopez is being utilized very differently than last year under uh, coach Bud Um, and so you're just seeing a lot of this adjustment stuff and so then when Dame missed a couple of ball games that just sort of kicks the can down the road in terms of how long it's going to take them to figure out how to all play together and in this new way. Uh, As far as sports betting goes, eventually you'll see the pendulum kind of swing too far. And what I always like to say to bettors is don't try to be the smartest person in the room. It's fun to be the smartest person in the room, but you don't have to be. So don't keep betting the buck saying, oh, this is the day that the line finally caught up or, or vice versa. Oh, this is going to be the day. Because you end up chasing for game after game after game. And finally, on the third, fourth, whatever, fifth day, 
you get it right and you can say, look, I figured out when the line finally caught up with what they actually are, but it's better in these situations I've found to let a team bottom out before you start to back them in the other direction. See the bottom, maybe even see them cover a game and then maybe follow them back the other way when there is a little bit of value, when they have started to play better. And I know we don't like to do this all the time because there's too many games to watch, but watch them. Watch them play. The eye test can actually be really useful in situations like this. You will often be able to see when a team starts to gel chemistry-wise, when they start to feel more comfortable, and that can be helpful looking against the line as well. Looking at tonight's slate, is there are there any props that you have your eye on or any matchups where you think we might be able to uh, take advantage? So I'll admit, this is uh, this is not my bread and butter, um, getting into more of sort of like the, the daily fantasy, that, t- that type of landscape, player projections, daily mm-hmm. player stuff. Um, I think you should probably look at Sacramento, if anything. I know the Lakers are playing a little bit better right now, but they always tend to get up for games with the Lakers. Should be a relatively high-scoring game. You can look for teams that are poor defensively and get in on that as well. Um, Dallas got embarrassed yesterday by New Orleans. Do you think they bounce back? So little things like that is where I tend to look on the day-to-day, which is I think the lines don't often account for little motivational moments that uh, are are not baked in in a way that personnel-wise it almost always is. People are like, oh, this team's tired. Like, yeah, that's baked into the line already. Like, they're getting two extra points (laughs) if it's a back-to-back. These are things that are accounted for. So, so so-and-so player is out. I got to go against them. No, that's that's in the line already. They they know these things. The stuff that you can look for, either with props uh, or or even just spreads, is stuff that is a little bit more mental, I think, than physical. And that's where you can get an edge in, in situations like that. So I know that was a little bit of a hand-wavy answer to any players you like, um, but I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty good spot to start on something like that. Dan, got about a minute here. I know the Clippers are not on the card today, but you're based in Los Angeles, so why not talk about them? By adding in James Harden, what do you think about Clippers' futures or any way to play them as far as uh, some upcoming recent games? I love watching teams like this struggle for as long as humanly possible because it creates a value bubble. Now, you're sort of you're rolling the dice a little bit on when you get in on that. Um, I do a lot of fantasy sports. There's going to be a moment when you can uh, sort of buy on Harden, on Kawhi. Actually, Paul George has been okay uh, since the trade also, but that goes for the betting side as well. Um, People are going to react to what they see in front of them, and the Clippers have looked horrendous since adding Harden, but he's also not in shape. He hasn't really played basketball in like six months. They're going to figure things out. I don't know if it's going to be perfect, But I think you're going to have a moment here in the next two weeks or so where you can get in on the Clippers, whether it's Western Conference odds, whether it's player odds, guys to finish over certain numbers uh, at ridiculously affordable prices that I never would have suggested doing before the season. But because everyone's going to see them look this bad, you're going to have an opportunity to get in on them. Even if you don't really believe in them long term, you can hedge off of it later because the price is going to be too good. Act now while supplies last. Dan Bespris, Assistant GM at Sports Ethos. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight. That's right here on the BetQL Network.